The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. If you write clearly and you write as hard as you can, you know, go deeply into those characters about what hurts them, then you're going to touch the nerve of the reader. That's the common denominator of all of us. He's a Christian radio host and a noted author. Coming up, you'll meet Chris Fabry, who will tell you about his desire to encourage other writers. This is First Person, and I'm Wayne Shepard. My conversation with Chris is just ahead as you stay tuned. First Person is designed to tell the stories of people who, through their faith in Christ, have discovered purpose and meaning for their life. We have a full archive of past interviews, which you can access online at firstpersoninterview.com or by using our smartphone app available free in either the Apple or Google Play Store. I recently heard from a listener who enjoys using the app and download programs to listen to at her convenience. Look for the app when you search for First Person Interview. And a thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for support making this program possible. Go to febc.org to learn about this outstanding gospel ministry. Chris Fabry and I have known each other and even worked together at times for many years. He's the host of the nationally syndicated Chris Fabry Live on many radio stations, but he's also a successful author. And I wanted to know from Chris where that desire to write started in his life. I think I I go back to when I was a kid. I, I have on the side of the wall my very first writing, and it was an epitaph for a cat that died on the farm. I was probably about five <laughs> years old, and I'd scribbled, here lies a cat, a faithful cat. And my mom went out to the grave and pulled it off and put it in her Bible, and <laughs> she gave it to me. You know, so I think from very early on, words meant a lot to me. It wasn't really until I got into high school, though, and I had a, a fellow who was a television. He was the head of the RTNDA, the Radio and Television News Directors mm-hmm. Association, he was a, an anchor in Huntington, West Virginia, and he was over David Brinkley and Walter Cronkite and everybody, wow. you know, and, and he wrote something on an evaluation of a newscast that I did in this forensic competition. He wrote, hey, comma, you can write, exclamation point. And I hung on to that because Boz said to me, hey, you can write. Because uh, part of this competition was you had to you prepare some news and write it there. And I'd been working at the radio station, so it was kind of you know second nature to me. When he said that, and it was in red felt-tip pen, when he said that, it was like, hey, there's somebody who knows what they're doing who thinks I have something to offer. Hmm. And so when I, uh, through the years, it's fits and starts and, you know, I want to do this, want to write for publication. I always went back to that. Well, Boz said that I could do, you know, Boz said I had, <laughs> I had something there. And so I really leaned on that until I got into my uh, 20s and 30s. Hmm. Well, I'm not a writer, but I had a similar experience growing up. And isn't it amazing how those little turning points, those little words of affirmation can mean so much to a young person? Yeah, absolutely. And then as you move further on, you start seeing it's not about the validation out there in here. It's about the desire that you have. One of the things that I tell people who want to write is 
the greatest predictor of whether you will be a quote-unquote success, and we can talk about what that is, the greatest predictor is the desire that you have. Are you willing to put in the effort to do that which you're called to do, that you really want to do? And some people get, you know, talk a lot about writing, but they don't actually do it. They don't sit down and do the hard work mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, work on the craft. They don't read writing. They just think, I want to write like it was, you know, something that everybody can do. And I think everybody can to a certain extent. But to really write, to reach into somebody else's soul, I think that takes a lot of hard work. Well, we're going to come back to this in a few minutes because I want to ask you some more about uh, about writing. But I want to get a fuller story here. Let me let me back up. And first of all, I need to acknowledge that some people right now listening say, "Oh, that's the Chris Fabry that I read his books." Other <laughs> people are saying, "That's the Chris Fabry I hear on the radio," because some in our audience get to hear you a lot on the radio every day. As a matter of fact, right? Yeah, I work with uh, Moody Radio doing Chris Fabry Live. I've worked with Love Worth Finding for longer than they want to admit <laughs> with Adrian Rogers. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. uh, Luis Palau and some other folks. So uh, my voice, you know, I've, I've used my voice in different ways on the old open line program that you hosted years and years ago. And you before that, uh, right. Yeah. Which and leads actually, me to say. You were the person who actually hired me reluctantly, <laughs> I might add, uh, <laughs> when, I, when I came to Chicago. So I, I have you to Thankfully. I never said I was perfect in my decisions early on. So, <laughs> which leads me to say we need to have a pact here because we know far too much about each other. So, <laughs> exactly, we're going to be kind to each other here, right? I well, you know, let's see how this goes. <laughs> okay, all right. Let me back up even further and ask you about your faith story. Did you grow up in a Christian mm-hmm. home? I did. My my parents went to this little church where you could never know if you're a Christian or not one day to the next. And they, uh, my mother, began listening to the Back to the Bible, not on a Christian radio station, but on the local CBS affiliate. Mm. For some reason, they aired this in the evening, Back to the Bible, with Theodore Epp, Mm -hmm. and then later on, Warren Wiersbe. And my mother began to hear this thing about the grace of God and about how Jesus is the one who accomplished all this, you know, for us, and it's not of your own works— and it clicked with her. It clicked with my dad. So uh, I I went to church every Sunday with them, every Wednesday. Um, but it, it when I was about eleven years old, it clicked with me. It, I I understood. You know, I've been oh God saved me today, and then the next day I wouldn't feel like I you know did did something bad, kicked a cat or whatever. <laughs> And, yeah, the cat uh, had to be and, buried eventually there. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other program. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the thought came to me one night, well, I was probably about 11 years old. This is not about me trying harder. This is what God has done for me. Now, that was, you know, very, uh, an infant, in a way, understanding. But then I, we started going to this evangelical free church and one of the uh, Sunday school teachers was a nursing professor, and she took us through the book of Ephesians. And I can still remember that little green book that we went through, the study of Ephesians, and to see what God had done for us and what we are in Christ and his work in us, for us, uh, and what that does. And it's like, you know, I, I my eyes were open to that, and I just felt like this is something that I want to do the rest of my life. I want to I want to think about this. I want to talk about this. I had no idea, you know, what would happen, but that those were the early seeds of of those desires. Mm-hmm. Ever look back? Ever have any seasons of oh, that's not really for me after all? 
I don't think so. I mean, there's always doubt. I think faith and doubt kind of go hand in hand. If it's not possible that it's not true, <laughs> then you know it's you don't really really believe what you believe. You got to work that you know work out your faith with fear and trembling. So I've had these moments of is God really here? Is He really at work? Is He really doing something in my life? But I've never really doubted that He's there. I guess I've doubted more, does he really care? You know, is he really involved in this? And every time I get, you know, up against the wall, I come back to, yeah, he's been faithful, not just to me, but through the centuries as you read the scriptures. Hmm. You mentioned your parents. Many times they are central to all of our stories, and sometimes they're not. But for you, they certainly are very important in your life. Yeah. My mom especially, you know, I had a dad who worked a lot and was kind of, you know, gone a lot, um, and and he was a good father, but my mother was the one who read to me. My mother was the one who kind of stoked this love of words because she was uh, a reader, a voracious reader, and she'd get Bible commentaries and and poems and read that. And she'd listen to opera, you know, this is the hills of West Virginia and Saturday afternoon, she was listening to the opera, you know? And so there was this just rich literary nature to her, though she was raised in a coal camp, you know, she was, she was raised in the hills herself. And I think she gave me this desire of story, of, of writing, of reading, of talk, of telling stories. And, and I have to mention my uncles here. We would go down to um, my grandmother's house, and my two old uh, – her sons, my two uncles uh, on my mom's side lived with her, and they worked construction. And we would go down there in the haze of the smoke of the pell-mells or camels or whatever they smoked and sit around the kitchen table, and they would tell stories. And it was always, I, w- I remember just this feeling of, oh, tell the one about, and I'd heard it a hundred times about going coon hunting when they, in the Depression. Tell the one about that. Oh, we've told that before. No, 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 you got to tell it. Because there was this anticipation, and you knew what was going to happen. At, you know, just this calling out of something on the inside. And that's what I do every day with the, with the radio stuff that I do and with the writing that I do. I want to get back around that table, uh, not with the smoke, but <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the stories that... Uh, call something on the inside from you that move you, that make you laugh, that make you cry, that make you want to be fully alive. Interesting to me how those experiences, those early experiences, really are, you're drawing upon them now Yeah. at this stage in your life, and, and you're doing so with some very successful books. Well, I don't know how successful they are, but, uh, you know, and how you measure that, if you're going by sales, some of them are successful. <laughs> I think that I measure success by how deeply am I able to go into, you know, the the characters that I'm writing about, and really I'm, I'm writing about myself, how deeply am I able to go into them and then reveal them, reveal what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Proverbs talks about my son, give me your heart. So that's one of my prayers every day. The other thing I have on my wall is uh, Hemingway, Papa Hemingway said, write hard and clear about what hurts. And I think if you do that with your writing, with your character, if you go, if you write clearly and you, you write as hard as you can, you know, go deeply into those characters, 
about what hurts them, then you're going to touch the nerve of the reader, of the person who's on the other side of even this conversation here. What is it that hurts? That's the common denominator of all of us. You'll hear more encouragement for aspiring writers from Chris Fabry as our conversation continues in just a moment. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Chris Fabry. Chris is an author and uh, and a radio host because his program, Chris Fabry Live, is heard on many stations across the country. And I'm sure our radio listeners, your radio listeners, Chris, want me to ask, how in the world did you get involved in radio when you wanted to become a writer? (laughs) Well, that happened in high school. And a teacher saw something in me. You know, there's somebody else on the outside looking in and said uh, they had a distributive education club. And they said, hey, how'd you like to work at a radio station half the day in your senior year of high school and uh, go to school half day, work half day? And I was well, that sounds like a good idea. I didn't really, you know, want to be in radio necessarily. I mean, at that time, Top 40 or AM radio was, you know, stuff that you listen to in the car, but I didn't really want to be a DJ. But when I got there and I, I saw all the knobs and the, you know, the music that you played and all that, it was like, well, this will be kind of fun. And then I got into the production room and I would spend, it was a daylight till dark station. So I'd go into the production room after sign off and spend hours just writing these stories and playing these songs and coming up with, you know, skits and and that kind of stuff. And it really fed this desire that I had. And then I got involved with the writing of the spots, you know, the A to Z supermarket and the uh, Moore's Tire Farm and, and all those things. And I saw radio really kind of brought everything together to, for me. Uh, it used to be that, you know, this was over here, you know, commerce is over here and people are over here. But with radio, it just brought it all together. And I saw how the world worked in a different way. And uh, I worked there through college, worked my way through college, came to Moody to study after I graduated, and then uh, eventually worked into radio there, and you yeah. know, this, the rest is history. Despite yours truly. Well, uh, <laughs> I remember you in the production room. And for those in the know, this is pre-digital days, right. when the production room, as you said, hours in the production room, because it was painstaking work. And now it's yeah. a little, a lot easier and a lot more creative uh, license because of the digital world that we live in. It's totally changed. And it's like, it's it's so, quote unquote, easy now. It used to be we had a razor blade and two tracks and that was it, you know? <laughs> and uh, you're trying to put all this stuff together. Now with the multi-track and then the digital, yeah, it's a lot easier. But the 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 form of it, the creative form is the same. It's yes. just we deliver it differently. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me circle back now to the writing. Um, You've written how many books? I didn't count how many books you've written, Chris. I don't know if you know offhand. As of this recording, Wade, uh, (laughs) I'm working on my 82nd. Oh, my goodness. I (laughs) I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. 
Wow. Can I have yeah, your autograph? Well, most of those are, are the Left Behind Kids books. I wrote 35 yeah. of those with yeah. Jerry and Dr. LaHaye yeah. and some other children's books. So, But I, I don't put those down because those are some of the best sellers that I've ever had. Right, know? right. Yeah, you mentioned um, the Left Behind. Jerry Jenkins, I know, is a mentor of yours. I, in talking to Jerry one time many years ago, I jokingly said, Jerry, I bet you've written 100 books thinking, you know, maybe a couple of dozen, and he had written a hundred books, you know, so, and you're closing (laughs) in on that number. Okay, but you're not content to, uh, to do the writing craft yourself. You want to encourage other people to write. So where did that, where does that drive come from? Well, it really was from Jerry, because back in the 80s, when I got the bug that, you know, I'd have Frank Peretti come in and Jeanette Oak come through and I'd say, so how do you do this? And how do you do that with your stories? And how do you send out a query letter? You know, this is back in the days when we didn't have the we didn't have email and that kind of thing. Uh, and I was reading all of these different books about how to write fiction and nonfiction. Um, Jerry came up alongside me and he said if you want to do this i'll help you but it's going to hurt Hmm. and i said oh bring it on you know please (laughs) help me help me help me and he was working full-time at moody and writing on the side at that point and uh he would take my stories these short stories that i would write and he would just rip them to shreds and it was hard because it you know it's easy to feel rejected by that Mm -hmm. and then i started to realize wait a minute he wouldn't be spending this amount of time on my stories, ripping them to shreds, if he didn't think I, I didn't have talent. Back to the, hey, you can write, you know? And so he did help me. I can remember these uh, email, not emails, but uh, faxes. I'd send Jerry faxes, and he would scribble on it and send it back. And I'd send him query letters that I wanted to send magazine places or, you know, for my first book. And he would, he would fax me back, and he took all of this time, and I thought, now, you know, after 81 books, uh, can I do the same thing for other people? Can I, can I come alongside them and give them the same thing that Jerry did to me, not with a fax machine or even email back and forth, but just sit down, record some videos, do some interviews, Put that online and allow them to see what it's like to struggle with your writing and and hope and pray (laughs) that somebody's going to see it so that you can uh, publish at some point. My my big thing is that publication is not what you're going for. Uh, Most people think success is being published. And there is something to that. Mm -hmm. My, My encouragement to anybody who comes along is... Your goal is to write better. Your goal is to write well so that people who read your writing will be moved so that you can say what you really want to say, nonfiction or fiction, and get your words out there in front of people. So that's the process that I try to take the the people who come to my website, what I try to get them to do. And the website is? HeyYouCanWrite.com without the comma. <laughs> or the exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, Spoken hey, like a true writer. Write.com. <laughs> Must kill you not to have the punctuation in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it works. It's long, but there's nobody else on the planet who can think of that website. So I'm glad. <laughs> HeyYouCanWrite.com. We'll put that in our program notes at FirstPersonInterview.com. Uh, I really commend you for wanting to not hold those writing skills close to your vest, Chris, but to want to share them and to encourage others. That That is a biblical uh, ethic, I believe. 
Well, and it's it's a hurdle that I had to get over. It's a hurdle that every writer has to get over uh, because when I was first starting out, one of the familiar things that came into my head was, who do you think you are? Who wants to write it, read anything that you write? You know, in this whole old thing of growing up in the hills, you know, you're getting too big for your britches. You think you're more important, you know. And so you've got to get over the hurdle of, no, it's not that I'm prideful that I want you to, you know, I'm so important that I want you to read. I have something unique to say that God has given me. And that's one of the things that Jerry helped me do and uh, because Jerry said um, very early on, look, Chris, when I would write him and say, I, I don't I don't want to publish this. I just want to see if it's any good, you know? That was fear in me saying, you know, validate me. And Jerry said, if God has given you this, if God's given you a message, why wouldn't you want other people to see it? Hmm. And I thought, hmm, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the website. I thought, who in the world's going to want to, you know, hear what I have to say about writing? There's so many other people who are a lot better at this than I am. And I finally got over the hurdle. No, you've been given some experiences. Go ahead. Put that out there. See if it can help somebody. Really, that echoes Paul when he says, you know, I, I haven't arrived. But he goes on to say, imitate me. Mm. You know, I, I, I think uh, passing on a gift like that is so important. Mentoring is what you're doing. Yeah, it is. And, and the encouragement that somebody who is just flailing away and flogging, you know, away at, at their writing, the encouragement of somebody coming along and saying, look, you're doing the hard work right now. It's almost like that, that faith uh, experience that you have. One step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. Uh, faith is not understanding everything that is going on out here, you know, the struggles that we have. Faith is saying, even though this is what I see and I can't understand it, I'm hanging on to God because I know that he's hanging on to me. Hmm. And uh, that that effort is the same with the, the writing ministry or the writing craft. Just one more thing. Is this aimed at helping someone become a professional writer or do you just want to help people communicate better? I think communicate better is is a, a great thing, but this is for somebody who says, I feel like I've been given a gift. People say that I have a gift of words, and I've I've never done anything with this. I really want to figure out how to get from where I am to where you have been, you know, writing a book or writing an article or doing something online that will move people. So I want them not just to write in their journal though that's a good thing. What I hope will happen is people will get involved and then at some point they'll see their words someplace else and those words are making a difference in other people's lives. You have a long career ahead of you, I'm sure, but you must be grateful for how God has led. Yes, absolutely. And, and I hang on to that. You know, it's him at work to will and to do, you know. He's the one who's doing this. I just need to cooperate with him. It impresses me that Chris wants to give back what he has learned about writing and communicating instead of just keeping it to himself. Our guest has been Chris Fabry, someone's voice you've likely heard on Christian radio or whose books you've read. We'll put additional information about Chris and links to Hey You Can Write at FirstPersonInterview.com. These first-person conversations are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. It's no stretch to say that millions of people tune in each day to FEBC's programs, which are always heard in the local language in nearly 50 countries. Please take a few moments online to visit febc.org and learn more by watching a few videos which tell the stories. That's febc.org until all have heard. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. 